Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Failure Peace Theater, your movie podcast for discussions of cinematic failures, misfires, near misses from the history of Hollywood. This week, we are here to discuss I Care A Lot, a recent Netflix release starring Rosamund Pike and Peter Dinklage that uh, has been getting some some positive and not-so-positive buzz uh, for a variety of reasons, so we're going to dig into that one and see if it is worth your valuable streaming movie time. Uh, joining me, as always, is my sister... Catherine! And I am your amiable co-host, Tim. Um, so we're just going to kind of jump right into this one. You you brought this one to the table, Kate, so I, once again, I'm going to let you you know sort of introduce this little film. The The premise is, is good, feels a little bit like, you know, I read an article mm-hmm. and was fascinated, you know, the, the sort of typical ripped from the headlines movies that we've we've started to see really commonly, right? Somebody's watching Dateline, they see a expose. They watched they go, a little ah. last week tonight or something, you know. Right, you know. Um, you know, I've listened to uh, John August's podcast, Script Notes with Craig Mazin, and, and they talk a lot. They have a segment that they do regularly where they look through the news for interesting stories and then see how they might apply screenwriting techniques to them. And this feels like that. So what is I Care A Lot about? It is about a woman who is a court-appointed guardian, uh, which you know happens in a lot of cases of people who are old or, or infirm in, in some other way or mm-hmm. unable to care for themselves. It is a thing. And she is also a bad person. Just a mm-hmm. just a bad person all around. So it's a job that requires good people and what happens when it, it's a bad person. Um, right. And originally I, I watched it because I liked that idea. I liked the premise. Um, but the, the movie does take some strange turns kind of in a direction that is very not that premise, um, which I felt yeah. strange. Yeah, it's it's really the story of a grifter who yeah. is using this very real system to manipulate and abuse the elderly, mm-hmm. a, a population that is tremendously um, forgotten, abandoned within our society. We do not have good social mechanisms for the elderly especially those who, you know, fall on hard times or don't have relatives. And and this woman has developed a, an exploitation method for this system with the help of a, of a doctor. You have to have some sort of medical professional there to sort of back you to get you to this point. But in essence, she forces people into assisted living situations of a variety of kinds, and then she milks their um, savings and you know, their home, their possessions, to you know, manufacture as much profit as possible by basically paying herself to perform services for them that they mm. never asked her to perform. Um, um, this is this is really you know, elder abuse is, is something that's being talked about, and it's always sort of been talked about off and on. Um, but for a, a civilization that seems to fear aging as much as we do, it's becoming an even greater conversation. I think, and and I think that's why you know this is probably being made is that there's a lot of concerns about you know, how we're going to be cared for and you know the dignity of of aging people. Um, so I, I feel like there is a lot of 
kind of motivation to make a movie like this. But I also feel like, you know, speculative fiction in general has has been talking about this kind of anti-aging, ageist culture for a long time. Like I'm thinking of a Margaret Atwood story, uh, Torching the Dusties, which is all about like getting rid of old people. And this kind of has vibes of that. So it's, you know, playing off of a fear that I think a lot of people have, you know, what happens to me when I can't take care of myself. Right. And and the idea of of preying on the elderly to, to buoy your own life, right? Instead of supporting them and uplifting them, you're, you're manipulating them for your own gain, which is at the core here, which I, I think, yes, that that's an interesting starting point in the film at the beginning seems very interested in sort of exploiting that and, and helping, you know, sort of what you would expect out of like a, a movie like the big short or, or Moneyball, right. Where it's like, Hey, we're going to lay out this situation and then like really explain how it works and maybe how the system can be abused. Like, it seems like the movie's really interested in that for like 20 minutes. Yeah. And then it's like, and then, and that, no, 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 no. This is a power struggle between two sharks, right? Between two power-hungry folks who are button heads. And it, it, it shifts gears radically a couple of times. Um, so I was very interested in the premise and how it was playing out. And, and then, of course, the, the twist, which you know comes fairly early at, at the end of Act 1. Um, so let's just, just sort of lay out, this is not necessarily a failure in the traditional sense. Uh, the critical reviews have been solid. It's a certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes with about an 80%, which is, you know, on the low end, but still very, very good, you know, sort of response from the critics. However, the thing that struck me as I was starting to look around is that the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is 35%, Uh. which is a massive gulf. And and so I, I read through a lot of the reviews and the vast majority of them that I read, and there are 2,500 plus of them, right? It's a streaming film. Lots of people yeah. have access to it. Um, is that this film, even though it's marketed and, and the, you know, the trailers and everything sort of emphasized, you know, oh, it's nasty. It's deliciously nasty, right? Like that's, that's literally the tagline on the poster is deliciously nasty. Um, that it was too nasty for most people. Because um, what you quickly realize in this film is that there are no heroes um which is fine right i i don't need my story to have clear moral principles and a upstanding character who's going to come in and just do the right thing mm-hmm. that's fine like we don't have to have that but this film has two aggressively sociopathic main characters well, they're not no redeeming qualities yeah and, they have no redeeming uh, qualities and they're not terribly well written and, but the movie really wants us to like both of them. Yeah. A lot. A lot. Um, you can tell that it, it loves these two main characters, um, which, you know, we, we were talking earlier about, you know, it, this, this film has a sort of Fincher-esque yeah. quality. Yeah. I'm not going to say that it's Fincher-esque because of the quality of the filmmaking. Mm, it's, no. <laughs> rudimentary i mean it's not rudimentary it's it's capable it's perfectly fine it's shot well if if shooting things well means you're inside of a room and you're you know blocking things accordingly there's there's really not much more than that for the bulk of this movie um but it once you know fincher very famously has said in, in a lot of things that that the reason you know the his filmmaking style could be 
summed up as everybody's a pervert, and I'm going to show you what you want to see. Right? Yeah. Like film by its nature is a perverted medium because it implies that you're a, you're a viewer in somebody else's existence, which right. at its core is, is perverse. We're all peeping Toms in film. And so Fincher seems especially capable at sort of playing that out, right? You know, girl with the dragon tattoo. We're sort of getting this window into the the seedy underbelly of a of a subculture, you know, that kind of thing. Fight Club obviously does a similar thing. And um, we have to be fairly honest about the most likely influence on this movie, which is Gone Girl. Gone Girl, right? Gone Girl and the and the. Now I I stand Gone Girl forever. It is so, so good. Not only was it filmed right here in my hometown, um, <laughs> yeah. and they made it look every bit the shithole that my town, Cape Girardeau, Missouri, by the way, mm-hmm. um, they make it look like every bit the shithole that it is. Uh, I just, I, I treasure that movie. I, I wasn't a fan of the book. I actually, I read it. You know, it was a great, easy read, fun, but it wasn't awesome like it wasn't groundbreaking or anything it was kind of you know trashy fun book um but i loved the movie so just going into it like i already love rosamund pike a lot mm-hmm. she's great <laughs> so she's excellent in this yeah. i mean I'll, i will watch her do anything for any amount of time you know if a director just wants to put her in a chair i'll watch that um which you know, a lot of this movie is just rosamund pike in a chair mm-hmm. and i i enjoyed that part of it <laughs> I guess it is a testament to that. But I do feel yeah, like this yeah. pulls so much from Gone Girl, and I don't think it's just her performance either. No, no. This this feels like, you know, trash is, is not really, the. it's not an in vogue term for this kind of thing right now because it implies a whole lot of, you know, Thing that I've always thought of it, you know, when I say something is kind of a trash read, I, I've always thought of it in terms of it being somewhat disposable, right? I'm never going to think of this again. I'm never going to yeah. to contemplate it again. Like, I'll, I'll read it, I'll process it, Maybe not it, trash, maybe more it. like fast food. Uh, yeah, you know, it's it's just, it's it's a little bit of something. And I think this film is reaching to be more than that. It wants to be more than that. But at the same time, it, it kind of understands what it's doing, which is taking a really potentially serious and very downer premise and then turning it into a kind of a cat and cat game mm. that doesn't really go anywhere for about 30 minutes. You know, it's like it's it, it wants to be two different movies. It wants to be kind of like a, a, a gangster movie with all of that, but also with this this very real and serious problem. Not the gangsters aren't real and serious problems, but they're not necessarily related to late stage capitalism or anything. So <laughs> the, but the, the overall look out here, we, we do need to mention the cast. As you said, Rosamund Pike is, is centered. Uh, you know, she's, she's at the middle of this thing. But in addition to that, we have uh, Peter Dinklage in, in a, a pretty solid role. I must say I enjoyed his take on the character. It's, you know, it's a fairly straightforward sort of Tony Soprano marginally lovable you know psychopath who could murder you you know maybe a little bit of noho hank from barry uh you know just just that kind of gangster with a just a little bit of a a a little bit of a light edge to him it's it's a good performance he does a good job with it but not necessarily anything super fantastic like he's he's very good in it 
Um, He's one of those actors who I feel is always very much himself in his roles. I don't, and like, I mean that as a compliment because I think he's really cool, (laughs) but. Yeah, no, he's great. Like his performances are always just really consistent in that that's what he brings to the table. So like, I I fully expected him to be great and he was, he was good. I liked all of the things that he did in the movie. Yeah, you you hire him for a particular Dinklage energy. And yeah, he always brings that energy. It's it's a bit laconic. There there's a lot going on beneath the surface of the character. I think a lot of what Dinklage brings to the table is is a lot of very minimal acting. But it's the acting where you sort of see that there's this you know ocean. Underneath he has the character. wonderful and facial expressions. He just very much he's so. yeah. I I like to see him act. He's he's genuinely just cool. I don't know. Yeah, I thought he's great. Um, we have uh, Isaac Gonzalez as Fran, uh, who is is Rosamund Pike's sort of, I guess we could call her right hand woman slash lover, <clears throat> who assists her in all of these. Which that was one question I had is how many people understand and know at her because she runs a business that operates this. Do they all know that this is a grift, and they're just okay with it? It's. Um, it seemed like all the doctors were in on it, and she was in on it, and just judges weren't in on it. Like, yeah, it was very selective. It <laughs> a little it, ridiculous. It seemed like when they needed people to be aware of this grift, they were totally okay with it. Um, we do have Diane Weist, uh, who is is great as always. I love uh, her. So just much. wonderful. She gets to have a couple of really good moments in this. She's she's very underused. I needed more. I needed more. Yeah, yeah. They they really don't. Her character starts off looking like she's going to have a lot to do because she. So I guess we can really just articulate the plot a little bit, but. Um, in essence, Rosamund Pike, the film opens with her in the midst of a, um, a hearing with a judge that she uses all the time for these, these emergency cases where she's you know, victimizing these elderly people. But she's been called to court this time because of an incident at one of the homes where uh, one of her you know, guardianships, uh, her real son, has tried to come and see her and he's been denied. Um, Presumably because Pike's character has said that he cannot be, you know, he can't see his mother. And so there's a confrontation, they have a hearing about it, and and she wins, right? The son's trying to explain that his mother, you know, was not incapable of taking care of herself, that she had no desire to leave her home, and that he was capable of supporting her. And, and of course, you know, Grayson, you know, Pike's character, is able to, to turn all of this against him. And, and basically tighten her grip on this woman's life and sort of lock her son out of it. Um, and that leads to a confrontation, a very open one, highly aggressive, where the, the son, played by Macon Blair from uh, Blue Ruin and Green Room and all those Jeremy Salmay movies that are great. That's what I know him from, Blue Ruin. Yeah. Yeah, he, uh, he, he's awesome in this. He doesn't really, again, he's, he's only in it for a few minutes, but... He, he brings this aggression, which sort of immediately establishes the the film, while it, I don't think it wants us to necessarily love Marla Grayson as a character, it wants us to understand that she is a badass. Um, the film goes to great lengths in multiple scenes to show that she is tough, she is powerful, she is fearless, um, 
she is, you know, they gave her that that straight bob. My goodness. I mean, if you just, it seems like in film language, if you just want to establish someone as this incredibly controlled character, you give them that straight bob. I mean, mm-hmm. It's just, it's so severe. Um, it, but it, it reinforces the character that they seem interested in building, which is this, you know, this woman who is incredibly good at what she does, and she has turned it into a successful enterprise. And, at and the same she's time, also maybe a terrible person. <laughs> right. And and that's where I think the film, its line begins to to cross. Because, okay, if if she was, even if she was involved in something that was a bit shady, if we could see this character as this, like, uncompromising I'm going to get mine and nobody's going to stop me. I think there's a certain amount of respect that could be afforded to that. But what the film's attempting to do is hook that character, which under normal circumstances we would be like, oh, okay, I, I get it. That's cool. To, to something truly onerous. Like she's destroying people for herself. So the film is obviously attempting to say something about our system, which is good. It's attempting to say something about capitalism, which is good. Um, because if you take this scenario out of a capitalistic society, we don't have the scenario. Like, so I get it. But at the same time, this movie does not do a very good job of giving us reasons to do anything other than sort of respect Marla. Mm-hmm. Um, like we, we understand that she's accomplished something in, in figuring out how to do <laughs> this to people. <laughs> But we don't really get anything else to hang our hats on. And a lot of the complaints um, in the user reviews that I read, that was their problem. It's like, there's no one for me to like yeah. in this movie. All right? There's no character in this that I can just unequivocally say, I'm, I'm with you or I'm on your side. And again, I get it. That's fine. This movie maybe was never intended to be a crowd pleaser. But well, the film asks you halfway through to get on Marla's side. Yes. Like hardcore. It says, okay, we're on Marla's side now. And it doesn't really do anything to get you to that point. Well, and, and um, I, I like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to harp on, on Gone Girl too much, but it is the same actress and it is a lot of the same character traits that I feel like they're trying to pull in from Amy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was very important in that movie that they took a lot of time making you like Amy before you had to hate her. Right. They, that was the, the film's trick, right? Yeah. Was to make you like her as we do with any situation where somebody is, you know, you know, we lose them before their time or they disappear. You know, there's all this outpouring of love. And you could tell that Fincher's goal was to build us in that same way where we had this outpouring of love. And it's like this is trying to do the same thing, but it's the opposite flip. Like the switcheroo is different where we're not Mm -hmm. rooting for her. We hate her. And then they're like, ha you you shouldn't. But I still do. (laughs) Yeah. The feelings don't get eroded. You failed. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So... The basic thing here is that they have set up this grift. They're working with a local doctor who 
passes off patients that are, are troublesome or, you know, maybe they don't pay their bills. We don't really know. We're told that just they're difficult. She takes some basic symptoms that could be seen as potentially debilitating. She writes them up. They hold an emergency hearing so that the person can't even be there to defend themselves. And then they basically get a court order to remand them into Marla's guardianship without them being involved. They just show up at their door and say, okay, now you're my legal guardian or I'm your legal guardian and and you have to do what I say, Um, which those scenes are horrifying. Yes. And the the brutality of of what's happening is so extreme. Uh, Like I I watched this with my wife and, and, you know, she was pretty into it for the first, you know, 30 minutes or so. She's like, all right, I want to see where this goes. Um, you know, she was taken aback and appalled by the situation and how easy it was for somebody to sort of have their life ripped away from them. You know, apropos of, of literally nothing, like, you know, Diane Weist's character, the, the woman in question, she's literally driving a Mercedes to go see a movie. And then, you know, 15 minutes later, she's being carted off to an assisted living home. Mm-hmm. And and it just, you know, so the film is doing a really good job at sort of building that indignation for, for what's being taken. But that's not enough, right? Like, I was kind of hoping that that's where the film was going to stay. But, of course, we go in, in a different direction. We turn into a neo-noir thriller about, about the 35-minute mark. Mm. Um, because, of course, and I did enjoy, you know, you can see this beat coming a mile away. This woman that they've chosen to, to do this to, who they believed was a cherry, which is <laughs> gross, um, was, is not who she seems, right? She seemed to have this perfect record, no family, no kids, all this money in the bank that they can't really account for, but hey, we'll be able to drain her dry. But of course, it's the wrong person. They do this to the wrong person. And we find out very quickly that she is related to and being supported by a a Russian mobster played by Peter Dinklage. And, of course, has used his, his power to craft a fake identity for his mother to protect her from his enemies and has been using her to both, you know, hold diamonds that they are smuggling, but also just sort of, you know, keep her safe. And, and there's and, kind of a suggestion that she's part of a partly like a matriarch of this family and right. she's been involved in these nefarious things because there are a couple of like you said you know we used to get some amazing acting moments in the movie um where she she threatens Marla um and uh it's it seems like she's a bigger part of the the criminal dealings than than maybe we ever get to see from her and i kind of wish we we would get to see more of that right yeah she's not oblivious she is is out of that world but she knows what goes on and and is well aware of of who her son is and what her son does and so that begins really the the sort of major thrust of the film is these two incredibly powerful individuals going head to head to try and outsmart each other. Cause you know, Dinklage tries to come at Marla to get his mother released. She refuses to budge. They come after Marla. She, you know, we've got all this, this interaction that begins to take place. But this is also where the film kind of started to lose me because it sets up a series of scenarios where it looks like 
and one character is going to get a one-up on the other in, in some way. And then that just gets shut down. So we're just at this constant stalemate. And I, I know why the film is wanting to do it. Because it is trying to make a statement about Marla, her efficacy, her power. And it's also trying very hard to get us to realize that we're sympathizing with Dinklage's character, uh, Roman. And, and we were on his side, even though he's this terrible person. But yet we are hating Marla for doing many of the same things. And so I, I think the film is, is somewhat capably attempting to craft a theme here that, hey, well, you're okay with this kind of behavior if it's a dude, but you're not okay with it if it's this or, woman, you know. Well, but, and I, but it doesn't and really work. No, because I mean that's just that's stupid. Um, it's just like <laughs> how do I want to say this? I feel like it's using this male female power dynamic, like you said, and trying to also make the argument of this happening in sort of a legal setting, like you're mm -hmm. legally taking over someone's life, and then what Peter Dinklage's character does, which is all illegal and forcible and criminal and and that's that's where we draw the line even though clearly you know we look at marla's actions and she is a criminal she does horrible things um but it's all through you know this lens of legality yeah. and it it would have been better if maybe we weren't making the character who was really the terrible person also a woman and also a lesbian like maybe that's not the kind of message that we want to send because I feel like the empowering thing about Marla is lost in the fact that she's terrible so it's like there's so many mixed messages in this right and I, I think that was my biggest issue is that okay yes Roman Lunyev or whatever his name is <laughs> whatever he is terrible <laughs> but he's terrible in these very traditional and sort of staid ways that we see in movies all the time and we're meant to sympathize with him because he is the one who is having his relationship with his mother taken away from him, which mirrors what Macon Blair's character is, is having happened to him at the opening of the film, right? That it's, it's breaking up a family. It just so happens that it's breaking up, you know, the family you don't want to break up. So I think part of the film's issue is it, I think it's, it's almost sort of making a false equivalence between, okay, well, he's a criminal, but, Marla's breaking up families, right? She's removing people's mothers from their lives, which if you're talking about the emotional spectrum, there's one of those that's going to impact me more powerfully than the guy who tosses smoothies at his underlings and, and is smuggling drugs, right? Yes, that's wrong, but yet from an emotional standpoint, removing his mother from his life, who he obviously cares for, right? Because the film has this long lead up where he's like picking out the ideal macaron from a bakery. He's got his long johns in a little box with, you know, like he loves his mother and is excited to see her and then can't because Marla has interfered. And that's like his emotional core for the film is you've stolen my mother from me, which I think is, is a much more relatable and powerful emotional beat than looking at, at it from Marla's perspective and saying, well, you're a criminal. Right. What do you do? What do you deserve? And, and so, like, I just don't think the movie handles those things very well. And as you said, I mean, 
it's great that that Marla is this this powerhouse of an individual. I think that's good to see. It's great that she's, you know, a, a confident and assured lesbian in a in a It's a little basic instincty though. Yeah, it's it just it feels lesbian ice pick killer. It feels very surface and, and does very little to not reinforce the trope of the the sort of gay sociopathic villain that the 70s and 80s sort of built into film, right? You know, like Thomas Harris <laughs> did this to us where all of our, all of our, our villains are, are these sociopathic homosexuals who are, you know, driven insane by society's pressures, right? That, you know, they're all Buffalo Bill and it's like, okay, I, I get that. And, and I certainly don't think this movie is attempting to go there, but yet at the same time, it's like, okay, but she's terrible. Like she's literally terrible. And yeah. she may have really good reasons for being terrible, but she's still terrible. Well, I mean, like I, I appreciate the representation. I mean, I'm not a lesbian. I'm you know, I'm a bisexual person, but I'm not a lesbian. Um, so I can't you know, I can't speak to that obviously. But I do appreciate no. seeing like homosexual relationships just from that perspective, because it's something, you know, it's it's something that I, I don't get to see as often. And often when you see women depicted in these relationships, it's usually done for pretty obvious reasons that people want to see chicks kiss. And okay. Um, this movie does have really like good chemistry between them. And I really liked, you know, them as a couple. Mm -hmm. um, but then those scenes were never balanced in any way that again makes me like or care about Marla as a person. So in the end it end it felt like a like a lesbian ice pick killer to me where I'm like okay so we're saying that this that she's a terrible person who is also a lesbian and then we just want to see chicks kiss. And it's like yeah I could do without that. I would like to just see some normal lesbians. More yeah. normal lesbians please. It felt like Fran was there to soften Marla like in the script writing phase they realized very quickly that Marla by herself was irredeemable in any circumstances but her relationship with Fran or Frankie as she is called frequently throughout the film is is something that that does humanize her at least a little especially towards the end when she's you know after things have, have gone badly and, and they're forced to sort of be on the run together. You know, we, we do get to see the depth of their relationship in, in at least a few snippets. Again, it's it's all very backgrounded. It's all very... Yeah. And that's it, the problem, is it, it feels like such an afterthought that even though, like, the the you know, love scenes that they film are, are kind of well done for what it's worth, I mean... At the same time, I just don't feel like that did anything for the story, and in the end, it just it felt, it felt more like a negative depiction of lesbians than a positive one. I think you could take that away from it. I don't think the film intends that, but I think if you are just sort of casually watching this, yeah, you're you're probably not going to walk away being like, oh, that was a good bit of of 
you know, LGBT. <laughs> yeah, I really like the way that they portrayed gay people in that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think you're going to go that direction. And and I'm and I'm totally fine with having gay people be villains, of course, because like it turns out that ter- terrible people come in all shapes and sizes and creeds. Right, and that certainly <laughs> seems like something this movie wants to discuss as well. Again, right, everybody's terrible. That's what this could be called. Um, but it's also a question of like, do we need to show? A, a gay person being villainized in quite this fashion? I don't know. And I mean, again, like, I'm, I don't have an answer to any of those questions. It's just that's something that occurred to me just while I was watching questions. it. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just asking questions. I'm just trying to play the devil's advocate here, man. <laughs> it reminded me a lot of Bound. Uh, yeah. The, the early Wachowski film, um, which, too, had a, a, a lesbian couple at the center of it who were, you know, committing crime in order to, to establish a life for themselves. And, and, you know, it, it, it felt like that relationship, but not handled with, and not that bound is, it handles it well. It's, it's amateurish in a ton of ways, but, but it still didn't, this didn't feel even as capable as that film did in terms of, of sort of using this relationship between two capable, powerful women characters much to its advantage, right? It just, it felt like a thing, you know, we, we need to give the characters another thing and, and but, this will be that thing. And that's... It also speaks, I, I will say, I'll just, but it also speaks to Marla at a couple of times in the film hints at an extremely troubled past, um, you know, not yeah, just I'd... a past with, with her family, like her, her mother gets name dropped, or gets, you know, sort of name dropped at a certain point. And then she has several occasions where she specifically mentions past encounters with men, not necessarily relationship encounters, but just men in general that went very badly. I do not like it when movies do that. Um, You don't develop gay feelings because you have bad straight experiences. That's, I know what the movie was trying to do. I know, like I get, I get it. Trust me, I do. But like, you're just patently wrong, and <laughs> and you're adding to a fabric of other people who are also wrong every time you make movies. Hey like man, this. I've <laughs> seen Chasing Amy. I know what it <sighs> is. I know what's going on because I saw that movie and it had lots to say. Of, no, okay, sorry, uh, I can't uh, even keep that big. It's going. just uh, um uh. the so in any case, you know the the thrust of the film becomes Marla's unwillingness to walk away from Roman Lunyev's mother. And, and instead she attempts to begin extorting vast sums of money out of Peter Dinklage, right? She, she's there. She's offered several hundred thousand dollars by the lawyer. Once they realize what's happened, they say, Hey, if you make this go away, we can give you this money. She says, I want millions, like $10 million, $5 million, something like that. She's found uh, she one of the the most sort of harrowing sequences was watching them just dismantle this woman's home, yeah. Within a matter of days, sell off all of her pro, you know, sell off everything that she owns, repaint the house, sell the house. Like it's there's just no time wasted as they just rip her life apart. But they find a safety deposit box key. They go and open it up, and sure enough, inside is a. Bible or something, and inside the Bible is a bunch of diamonds. 
And so Marla now has at least a marginal understanding of, of the fact that this woman may not be everything she is you know, supposed to be as this cherry. Um, but she's got a taste for it now. And, and at several points in the film, Marla gets some extended speeches where she talks extensively about why she wants to be wealthy and, and what wealth will allow her to do in her life, which is, um, she talks about, you know, using money as a bludgeon, which is what, you know, real rich people do with which their money. Which is just a weird thing to say. I don't. Well, I don't know if I buy that anyone would ever articulate that thought in that fashion. I, <laughs> it seems like something, you know, it, again, this is a movie that in addition to having all of these other thematic elements that it's not really doing a great job of developing, it really wants to say something about the super wealthy in, in a late stage capitalistic society. Like it really wants to just get on a high horse about that. Um, and there are like, there isn't horses time. that can be gotten on. But but yes, Marla's specific worldview about wealth is that you don't become wealthy to live a life of leisure, although that may also happen. You become wealthy so you can have control and you can have power over others, like real, legitimate, actual power over others. And it's it's just super ironic that she craves this because that's basically what she already has. Yeah. Now, granted, it's in a very small corner of the world, right? She doesn't just get to have power over anyone and everyone, but she, in essence, controls the day-to-day existence of these, you know, 60 or 70 elderly people. She has them locked into these impossible situations. So she has the power that she's craving just not necessarily in the way that she wants it, which implies that Marla doesn't really want wealth for power. She just wants power, and and she's not satisfied with the power that she already has. And so, again, that just sort of leads her to be more reprehensible in terms of her morality. And um, I, I guess, I guess I would have, I would have liked it if maybe the movie had tried something with her character and made her really believe that she was doing the right thing. See, that's what I wanted. Yeah. We talked, my wife and I talked about this a lot because I I checked in with her the next day. I was like, have you thought about that movie anymore? Do you have any other thoughts about it? Because I I honestly, I hadn't had a ton of headspace to really think about it, but I'd had a couple of thoughts. And she said, you know what I really wanted to see? Just one scene with one of these elderly care residents, because theoretically, if she is doing this, they can't all be the grift, right? At some point, they're going to call her to legitimately take care of someone who actually needs it, and, and she wouldn't just be able to turn it down, or you wouldn't think anyway. And she's like, I just wanted one scene where she was interacting with one of those individuals, and maybe she still had an agenda, maybe she still wanted you know some bit of money from her but at the end of that scene you know that she really is in her own way attempting to provide a better life for that person or at least has convinced herself that that's what she's trying to do i think that's a that's what creates the sort of dichotomous love hate thing with characters in something like gone girl is that on some level they believe that they are right 
Right. And Best they believe they're doing what they're doing for the right reasons. For the right reasons. For the best reasons most of the time. Like, I am doing this to help people. That's really the most sinister thing. And, and that's mostly what I see in modern day super villainy. I don't see people who are sitting around twirling their mustaches or, or you know, plotting world domination. And her speech, when she asked for the money and, you know, did her big, you know, I want wealth and power and a bludgeon. Um, it just, it felt so manufactured and it, it was too, it was too much of a mustache twirl and I just couldn't get behind that character moment. I think it would have meant so much more if, if it was an impassioned speech about how she wanted to use that money to care for people. You know, right. if, if she had been led to this ultimate moment and that we really get to hear from her, you know, what she thinks is she's doing is good. Yeah. Um, but we don't we don't ever get that moment. We don't ever get anything that would help us like her, because I think that would have made the audience like Marla. If- At least a bit, man, because that's that's what this movie came down to for me. So. The, the film progresses. She gets into this tete-a-tete with this, this these gangsters. She doesn't really know who they are at this point, but they're trying to you know, work within the system. That doesn't go anywhere. She goes to another legal hearing with the lawyer who tries to establish that she's colluding with the doctor. And that doesn't go anywhere because the judge is totally on her side because they've worked together for all this time. And, and ultimately, it, it escalates, right? They try to break into the facility and rescue the, the, grand, the mother. doesn't work out. Um, and Marla is somehow involved. I that scene sort of was like where my my incredulity, you know, alarm started going off. It was like no, 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 because these these three Russian mobster lackeys are trying to break into this facility to get the mom out. They're successful. They murder people violently, cause explosions to get this woman out. And then they are foiled because Marla has a baseball bat and she hits him really hard with it, which again, okay, fine. But it, it... I felt like it was, it was really going for laughs. And you know, when I've looked up stuff about this movie, they keep saying it's a black comedy. It's a black comedy. Yep. And I That's don't first feel that. Genres. I mean, it had, you know, sort of moments that you could tell, they thought might be interpreted as funny. Sure. Um, you know, again, Dinklage is tossing smoothies against the wall and yelling at people in sort of funny ways. He's doing some ring work, uh, some gymnastics, uh, which was, you know, okay. cute, I guess, right? Characterization um, by quirk, right? Quirk characterization, man. It's the best way to get it done. Uh, he has a man bun that, that tells you a few things. He wears jean jackets. It's also interesting. Um, but I mean, like that kind of stuff is like, okay, I, again, this, this movie is, is, is unfortunately sort of stepping back and forth over a line because you can tell the writer as they were writing, were like, Marla is awesome, right? She's powerful and in control and she beats the shit out of people with a baseball bat, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like, okay, yes. But at the same time, she's doing it in the service of all this really terrible shit (laughs) and that's not good either. Um, but this this tete-a-tete goes back and forth, and then uh, Roman, you know, ups the ante by killing the doctor that they've been working with, sending a very clear message that, hey, I'm, I'm coming for you. 
Uh, shout out to the doctor who is one Alicia Witt. Um, from Dune. From Dune, right? The the David Lynch darling. Um, she appears briefly in this as, as the doctor that they've been, uh, Dr. Amos, I guess, who they've been, been colluding with to get these these elderly people into elder care. Um, so she gets killed, and, and, you know, Marla and Fran begin, you know, freaking out. We're going to pack. We're going to leave. And then everything, of course, collapses, and, and Marla gets kidnapped by an assassin, and uh, Fran is, is beaten up by, you know, some other thugs and left for dead. And Marla delivers her big speech. I guess this was, was part of it for me, too, is that Marla, throughout most of this film, doesn't feel human in any way. She feels like the Terminator. Um, she's emotionless and cold, and, and I understand that that's what they wanted to do with her character to show that she's, she's so powerful and in control of herself. That's what they're going for. But it, it just strains my suspension of disbelief because when she delivers this speech to Peter Dinklage about how she wants money and power and he's to give her $10 million or this will never be over because he'll never get his mom out of the insane asylum she, she stuck her in and, and all this stuff. She's literally delivering this speech tied to a chair in a quarry with a plastic bag over her head being suffocated to death. Yeah. And... I, it's not that I wanted to see her crack or that seeing her crack will remind me that she's a real person, right? It's not that, but it's like in this moment, you've got to understand that you're playing a very calculated game. And while I want to see the main character of a film be in control and have a plan and be willing to you know, do what it takes to survive, so on and so forth, there was nothing no about that scene that showed me that she really even understood the situation that she was in. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, well, again, you you want to know my favorite part of Gone Girl is when those hillbillies steal all of Amy's money. Because you get to see Amy upset and and cracking. And it was a great character moment. And I kind of wish that there was some moment of real fear for Marla, where it's just like everything got really scary. And I feel like they tried to do that a couple of times with... Um, like when she comes back and and Fran's been Finds beaten Fran. up. Exactly. That's really there was the a only little bit human moment that she has. But that was movie. that was almost. It didn't really it didn't really do much. I didn't buy it. I don't know. No, I just didn't buy that right she was over. ever afraid of anything. Like the movie yes. just goes out of its way to sell that so hard. Um, I don't know. It's just off putting. And I again, I think there's there's something being done here with if Marla was a male character, these would be traits that we would generally approve of. But the fact that she's a woman, I think the film is, is trying very desperately to show that we're not interpreting it as a positive thing because she's a woman, we, that she needs to be softer and I don't think that's more it. gentle. I, I, I feel like the movie wants us to go there, but it's it's not handling it well enough for me to get that. And Dinklage isn't a good enough foil on the other side to reinforce it, if that's the idea that they want me to have. Um, if they just want us to know that Marla is, is a badass, there are many, many ways that badassery can be established. 
And being a sort of unfeeling robot is not necessarily the best way to get that job done. But that seems to be the approach that they've taken um, with her character, at least in, in my interpretation of it. Like, I think there are glimpses and moments that Pike gets to have, you know, the wayward glance there when she's in the, you know, because after she's she's held captive by Roman, they decide to make it look like she's drunk, put her in her car, and then drive her off a cliff, which would no one even check? I mean, like, again, I, I know in, in thrillers like this, you just kind of have to run with it, but nobody, ch- I mean, it's like Bond villain, right? It's like, no, just check and make sure that they're dead, right? Don't, <laughs> you know, just, just stand there for 15 minutes and make sure that nobody comes up out of the quarry that you've just dropped the car into. Just check, right? Just give it a shot. But no, of course, they just, they leave. That but place so Marla is, the bee, man. is is dumped and she escapes and and she's more resolute than ever and the moment that it happened i was like god damn it because now the movie needs you to sympathize with marla you have to i was really kind of just hoping that the film would take the the cat and mouse game or the cat and cat game whatever you want to call it and and just run that out a little bit longer, and then we would have a, a resolution between the two of them. You know, one of them dies, both of them dies, whatever. But no, no, no. Now it's, she's been murdered, her her life has been upended, which is exactly what they told her they were going to do if she didn't take the money, right? That's what the lawyer said. He's like, all you will lose all of this, all of it, if you don't just you know take this money. By the way, the lawyer was played by the ever so lovely and sweet Chris Messina. That's right. Should just be in all the movies. He's just such a wonderful actor. I'm so happy when I see him in things. Uh, If we want to do six degrees of Gillian Flynn, he was the the cop in the Sharper Objects HBO series. So, um, so Gillian Flynn is everywhere. She permeates all of. (laughs) Look out! (laughs) Look out! Gillian Flynn's coming. Um, she's going to sue your ass for copyright infringement. <laughs> Keep stealing my stories. Um, but, you know, so as soon as it happened, I, I knew that the film was going to do the, the sympathetic flip, right? It's like, oh, we're sympathetic flipping now. Now she's, she's you know, the, she's been hurt. She's been harmed. She's been pushed to the edge. Now she's going to come back. She's going to take her revenge on all these people. And I think this is that's truly where it lost me. Yeah, up until really the last ten minutes, I, I was sort of completely uninvested in the film because I was like, I, I don't care what your plan is to get these people. Um, it just it it really didn't matter to me um, because all of the drive of you know rescue you know whether you're you're. The thing carrying you through this film was the idea that, oh, Roman Lunyev's uh, mom needs to be taken from the facility. She needs to get out or just to see. The main thing I think I, I lost was I knew that there was not going to be justice for what Marla had been doing, that she was going to get away with it, which is really what the film is. It does literally up until the end, right until mm-hmm. the end. And I was like, well, she's going to get away with it. Right. She's she has to get away with it now because she's survived this this traumatic event and she's you know rescued her girlfriend who has also survived this traumatic event and they still have and some money. You know. The movie almost suggests that she's learned something. She hasn't, but it's sort of no. it 
frames it like she has. Yeah, she's she's learned that her don't life be stupid around Russian gangsters. <laughs> she's learned that her life philosophy is correct, right? And I appreciate that she won't back down. That she's she's going to to continue on this path of pushing and pushing and pushing until she gets what she wants. I I, I get it, um, but. It, there's there's nothing for me to latch onto with her character to say, I'm rooting for you now. So now I'm I'm rooting for no one. I don't care what she's gonna do to get revenge against Roman. It's just, I don't uh, or I didn't when I was watching, and and so having her simply go like, oh, I got a plan, and then watching that plan work out was like, oh, so you're just going to surprise a bunch of you're going to surprise three guys in a parking garage with taser guns what a plan uh and you're going to wear a bad wig and big glasses fantastic um the 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 whole architecture of this this flip it, it legitimately disappointed me i was like oh no why why are you doing this i thought we were building to something and it's not that it, the film has to give her a redemptive arc i, I don't but at the same time, like what I did was I looked at my watch and I said, I've got another hour of this to watch. And I literally don't care where it goes from here. And that was the worst part. Um, because in essence, Marla, she, she got one of the license plates off one of the cars. They call in a police favor to figure out the registration on the, on the, the license plate. They go there, they track Roman down to whatever big office building he works at, and she kidnaps him. That's the plan. She somehow acquires a very fast-acting sedative and two police-grade taser guns and kidnaps him. Takes him out into... And, and I will say the, the clever component is they don't just kill him which they could have done. Um, her plan, her, her, the big twist of the film, if you want to even call it a twist, is that she gets him turned into the hospital as a John Doe. She drugs him up and basically creates a scenario where she can assume legal guardianship over him. Ta-da! She did it to him. She... Which would have been fine if the movie had been about their back and forth for more of the movie. Yeah. Or if it was a movie that was at all interested in explaining the mechanics of how these things happen and yeah. work. But it's really not. Like, it's it's just a gag. I just right? kind of feel like that was the first part of the movie, movie A, and then, like, movie B was the stuff with uh, Weast, and mm -hmm. then movie C was the... Peter Dinklage. And right. What movie are we in now? Uh, now we're in movie D, which is the sociopaths working together to sociopath. Yeah. Um, because the, the, the whole mechanic of this was to get Roman off their back and to also get, get paid, right? She's, that's still Marla's goal, is to extract money from this gangster. Uh, which, in, in the other shocking twist of the film 
Roman instead reveals that he too is a greedy shark willing to, you know, do whatever's necessary to make money. Which again, given that the character's primary motivation throughout the film so far has been to rescue his mom, now we get to see, oh, he's the same, right? He and Marla are the same. They have the same ambition. They just do go about it in different ways. So now they're going to combine forces Voltron style, you know, <laughs> form arm of giant multinational conglomerate that ruins people's lives. And, and they, they, they Voltron themselves into uh, Grayson Corporation or whatever they end up calling it. I don't remember from the dumb green screen montage at the end. Legal crimes. Yeah, legal crimes. Um, all of the legal <laughs> crimes you can legally crime. And... And basically, he suggests that they use his money as seed capital to build Marla's business into a multinational guardianship grift, right? Where they just ruin the lives of as many elderly people as they possibly can for profit. And then apparently it's immediately successful and Marla becomes a billionaire. Um, and instead of having like a really severe bob cut she swoops it all back hillary clinton style <laughs> and 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 rules the world in a white power suit um which you know like, again i was so like oh ham-fisted it's it's really 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 broad and you know again if the film had been about sort of capitalist exploitation of the elderly. Like if that had been what this movie was really interested in talking about, then this ending would have been really satisfying, but it was not about that, or at least it wasn't enough about that. It, it ends up being about, you know, power struggles between two terrible people who are both willing to, cross whatever line to, you know, make whatever sacrifice is necessary for them to have what they want. And I, again, that's fine, but you're also asking me to invest two hours in watching several groups of people that I have no horse in this race. I have no skin in this game. I don't really care what happens to either of them other than I want to see both of them suffer. And I feel like at the beginning, I had stakes. And they were just whittled away. Yeah. Like the movie just removed any any investment that I had. It was like, you, well, you thought you liked this, but hang on. We're going to show you something new, and well, you're not going to like it. <laughs> I would, there was certainly some schadenfreude, right, where I wanted to see Marla's trials and tribulations because of these choices that she had made and these lives that she had ruined. And, and there certainly is that, you know, she, we do see her, you know, sort of watch her relatively comfortable life get dismantled from the ground up, but it's not in a satisfying way. And again, the movie, while we're seeing all those things, its goal is to make us feel sympathy, sympathy, sympathy. But yet at the same day, it's like, okay, so you want me to feel sympathy for the drug dealer and the elder abuser, like, like even if I value and respect their worldview, right? Even if I look at it and say, like, yeah, totally. I mean, go get what you're gonna get. Like, you know, even if I'm I'm that kind of person, 
it's not redeemable in any way. And the film wants to kind of redeem Marla for a little bit. Um, it doesn't end up that way, but that's what you, it wants. I think that's what it wants you to feel is like, Hey, I get you. I understand you. And, and I, I, I may not, you know, it's like, I may not agree with you, but I'll fight for your right to do what you do. But there is none of that here. Like, no, I don't support this. I want to watch you burn for what you've done. And, and if the other guy goes down too, great. And, and I don't know if the movie really knew that or was interested in that, yeah. but you know, I, I just don't understand exactly. I think it's, you know, we, t- you know, last week we talked about cosmic sin, which is just, there's no thematic message. There's no <laughs> elements. There's nothing. It's just an empty, it's just an empty can getting kicked around a dusty warehouse, right? That's, that's all cosmic sin is. This film has lots of messages that it wants to work in about and really good ones about female empowerment and getting, you know, what you need in a society that doesn't care for you, even if it means exploiting others. Right. Like, OK, I, I get those messages. I understand those ideas. And I, I but the film just is so it's so unwilling to lock into a particular point of view and push it. It keeps pulling back and then sometimes pushing forward again and then pulling back a little bit more that I just don't think it ever really says anything. It never lands on anything until the very end um, Mm. where it it goes even in a film that I would say has been ham fisted 30% of the way through easily. It just goes full ham in the last five minutes because Marla is being interviewed at a local TV station, which is (laughs) hilarious that she would actually go into a place and get interviewed. Um, but she's getting interviewed at a police station. She has her Lamborghini or whatever super expensive car she's driving. Fran is there. She walks out, and who is it but Macon Blair? Back again, bookending our little film. And he says, my mom died. I never even got to see her again. And then he pulls the gun and he just shoots her. Um, which he opens the film with you know, screaming, I hope you get raped. I hope you get murdered, which, again, in its own ham-fisted little way, obviously is trying to is is trying to connect with this idea that that powerful women in our society, but many societies, when they show their power, generally are going to get railed for it. Right? People are going to come against them as quickly and powerfully as possible, especially, I mean, because Macon Blair, if you look at the way he's dressed in this film, he is obviously meant to represent a very particular segment of the American mm-hmm. population, right? I mean, if if the trucker hat and the flannel shirt and the cargo I mean, shorts didn't do enough for you, you know, like he's I mean, you know, I've, I've been guy. I've been in that guy's targets before. And sure. I, I mean, I've been called all of those names you know, any time that I, I've tried to have, you know, a little bit of, of not power really, but Say agency, you know, right? agency. agency. Yeah. yeah. You know, anytime I've tried to especially advocate for myself, um, you know, I've come up against that kind of thing. However, I don't feel like we have enough movies where we talk about that in, in any fashion to be able to have it so focused on a character that's so utterly unlikable. I would like to see those things explored with 
different types of people, not just this super villain where we're constantly wondering like, oh, maybe she does deserve that because she's such a terrible person. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> right. Movie, and, stop it. <laughs> and again, if you're if this is not a, a careful or close reading of this film, that's an interpretation that you could easily walk away with. Yeah. Is that I feel like well, it's, it's like you said, this movie won't commit. When it, it on the surface seems like it's trying to break them down. Right. Like it and it's it's because of the fact that it won't commit to any like you said point of view. It won't stick with one of these messages. And I, I feel like that happens with a lot of films that try to have multiple themes. Um you know, it's it's done all the time and plenty of films do it, but typically there's going to be one thing that's really well developed in a in a good script and this movie doesn't have it. I don't know what it wanted me to take away. You know what you know what this movie makes me think of? This movie makes me think of that kid on a Wednesday night being dragged to church by his <laughs> parents. And in his his impotent rebellion, he's wearing, you know, he's punked out, right? He's got his his studded denim jacket, he, you know, dances his hair into a mohawk. Like, he's being cynical. It's teenage rebellion. And different and rebellious in the most, like, basic and uninteresting way possible. And on a surface level, I applaud that, and I say, you know, good for you. Make your mark, right? Do your thing. If Cosmic Sin gets to be a movie, this gets to be a movie. (laughs) But yet it's it's impotent, and at the end of the day, it's basically meaningless. Yeah. Right. Because who are you going to change? And I'm. It's like I'm glad you tried, but did you really accomplish the goal you set out to accomplish? And this I guess, movie, I don't know if it does. I guess I'm more insulted by movies like this existing than I am a movie like Cosmic Sin, because I don't. I don't feel like a a shitty movie like Cosmic Sin is trying to be anything other than what it was, which was. Shitty action movie set in space. Um, roughly. So this movie is trying to be more than that. And it's trying to really sell to its audience that it's more than that. And I feel like when you're playing with, you know, conversations that are a little bit weightier than Bruce Willis does not like aliens. Um, not at all. You have to You have to treat those things with, a little bit more grace than this movie has done. Um, you know, I don't, I, I definitely want to see more movies like this. I want to see more movies, you know, throwing me challenging characters, um, throwing me, you know, different types of people. Like, I do want to see, you know, villains. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. Um, I would just like to see it better articulated. Um, but I, I think that a movie like this can do a lot more damage when it doesn't commit to any any sort of focus. Because like you said, people can come away from it having the complete wrong idea. Um, and it can reinforce a lot of negative stereotypes. Um, you know, again, like I come back to the, the, the ice pick killer lesbian trope. You know, Basic Instinct... People loved that movie, and look how hard that reinforced that trope. 
is this movie going to do that? Like, I, you know, I don't think this movie is going to be as, you know, enduring in pop culture as, as Basic Instinct or anything. But I just question the necessity of, of a movie like this when it won't really come out and just say what it thinks about anything. Yeah, and I, I want to know who the director feels that this film is railing against. Is this film railing against a system that has created all of these people? Because I guess that's really, if you want to give the movie more credit than I think it deserves, then the only way that works is if you accept the fact that Marla Grayson is, I don't even know if I want to call her like a two-dimensional character. Like she's really just a one-dimensional, she's just a, she's, she's a stock character. Because, I mean, she's static. She doesn't change, right? Like, there's no alteration. She, We see a fulfillment, but we don't see her grow in any significant way. So that's fine. Villains typically don't. But if, if this film is railing against the system, then that reduces all of these characters to symptoms or, or byproducts of that system. Right, Marla exists because the system is broken. Dinklage exists because the system is broken. And it's because the system is broken, these people get a chance to run amok. Which is if you, if you reduce also these fine. Yeah, that's fine. But if you reduce these people to symptoms, then the only question I have is who the fuck cares? Why? Why do I care about these characters? Because they're not characters. They are they are symptoms of, of social disorder. And it and, would have been nice if the movie had made characters who were maybe also you know, evocative of, of social issues, but it didn't. Right. And <laughs> it I, just I, left off the character parts. But what I think well, what I think was what has given this movie a pass for a lot of the critics, but not the users, right? Not the people actually watching these movies, but the critics who are analyzing them and thinking about them. One, it's buoyed by great performances. The performances are all great. Diane Weist is fantastic. Rosamund Pike does a tremendous amount with the character that she's given, which is not a great character, but she imbues it. I think she imbues it with more depth than the character actually has on the page. Yeah. And and that takes a skilled actor to do. Uh, Dinklage, of course, is, is reliable. He's doing his Dinklage thing. He's doing the thing you hire Peter Dinklage for, and he's doing it well. Um, and, and he does get a few, you know, really bravado moments. The the moment when they they're almost they almost get her out of the facility, like her, his lackeys get her out the door, and then she's like headed to his car, and he can't he can't go get her. He can't run to her because he'll be seen and he'll be caught, and so he has to just leave. I thought that was really well done. I thought his it, acting was It excellent. was. I, I do question how much of a difference it would have made if he just got out of the car. Because if he's being right. watched that closely, surely they can see him sitting in the parking lot. Yeah, I mean, giant black GMC Yukons aren't a dime a dozen. Right? Like, <laughs> Why is it see. that this Russian gangster always just comes and sits in this nursing home parking lot like every month? It's really weird. <laughs> and, and the film, ha- so the film has good acting. It's got a great hook like the first 25 minutes of this movie is legitimately entertaining yeah um pretty much with without reservation right like you're you're just sort of watching this stuff unspool 
you watch her sort of systematically dismantle Diane Wiest's life and get her into the home and the, the home entry scene when she's going into the assisted living facility, terrifying, like just, you know, clockwork orange levels of terrifying with just the clapping people and, and the, the, you know, shove you in the room, take away your cell phone. Now you're cut off, you know, like it's, it's legitimately well done, but then it's, it's when we get into this, you know, the second act when you should be like reinforcing the characters, building the situation, establishing escalation in the conflict. That's where the film starts to fall apart because the characters aren't enough to sustain it, right? There's still some, there's still plenty of charm, right? The film is very charming, right? There's tons of, of style. stuff and style going to keep the game afoot. But when you start to chew on it and pick it apart, I, I don't think there's much meat on that bone. It just begins to get a little stale. And then when, when that sympathetic flip comes, and I'm only calling it that because I feel like that's what the film was trying to do. I don't think it, it really, again, I don't think it really wants us to sympathize with Marla, but it knows we have to just because of drama, right? Just because of the way that narratives are structured, right? You have to sort of pick a side and run that side out. And when you, when you say, okay, Dinklage is out of the picture now, he's, he's done his part for now. Now this is back you know, to being the Marlon brand show. I, I just don't know if the movie earns that enough for me to, to stay invested in it. It really didn't. Um, but I just, I, I feel like this movie is, was walking a tonal tightrope pretty much from the start. And it seemed like thing. It, it was very stable at the beginning. The tonal tightrope was good. And then things got super wobbly and never mm-hmm. really recovered. Um, and again, the ending when she dies or gets shot, she's in this white power suit, which is obviously supposed to represent, you know. I mean, we don't have to do the color analysis. It doesn't make a no. difference. But she, we're, we're meant to see her as this incredibly powerful, forceful individual. And then that thing just gets soaked in blood. Just it was soaked. Very over the top. Really overt imagery. <laughs> and not badly done, but like, eh, okay. I get it. I get it. I get it. And and so she does get her comeuppance. But does she? Right? Like that's the that's the lingering thing. So she dies, but she dies after creating this system that is now going to exploit millions of elderly people around the world for profit yeah. and 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 gain. Um and so again, I feel like the movie is trying desperately to say something about the society that allows these things to exist and supports them in their existence and, and praises them like this, the the last news interview where she's getting interviewed and he's like, tell me how amazing you are. How much money do you have? And it's, it's like, yeah, we see that stuff in the news all the time. Like I'm sure if Jeff Bezos still took interviews, the first question would be like, how much money do you have these days? <laughs> did you buy another pool and put it in a plane, Jeff Bezos? I know you did. <laughs> but you're still like us, right? You just feel like we do. And then, you know, Jeff Bezos gets to, you know, talk about his charitable enterprises. Like we've, we've seen this, we know that this is what happens. So, I applaud the film for trying to poke that bear, right? And because the bear needs to be poked, but it just feels so uncommitted to doing so. 
um, maybe because it's being sold to and aired on one of those giant bears that is its own conglomerate that is, is, you know, in control of this huge segment of the media, you know, media market verse. But <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It, it just feels like a film of half measures in a lot of ways. And I think it's got a lot of style. It's got a lot of charm. It has a lot going for it. But much like those books that you pick up to read on the plane, it's probably going to get dumped in the Goodwill donation bucket when you get home because you're not going to put it on your shelf. And then in 10 years, pick it up again and be like, oh, I really want to reread this. I kind of wonder if uh, (laughs) I kind of wonder if this movie's critical success is that people expect less from a streaming film. I, yeah. Oh, oh, for sure. Yeah. If this had been is that controversial? Released, I don't know. <laughs> if this had been theatrically released, I think it would have been a blip at best, and it'll probably still be a blip. Now, I, I think unless without Rosamund Pike getting some awards, um, attention for her performance, justly so. Um, again, even though I, I don't think the character is especially well drawn, I think she does a lot with it in the the time that she's given, and she certainly is she certainly is evoking a lot of really, really, you know, sort of powerful, a lot of powerful traits within the character. She's, she's layering things on that. Again, I I don't think we're really in the character on the page. Um, But I I think without that awards attention, I think it would have already been forgotten. Um, Yeah. And, you know, yeah, I, I think our standards are different when it comes out on Netflix. I really do. Um, but I, I think at the end of the day, my biggest reservation is the fact that we get this really, well, I'll call it potentially compelling image of female empowerment, which is good, but it's tied to this incredibly despicable human being. Like I just, it's, it was really difficult for me to, to reconcile that um and again movies like gone girl they they also challenge this but fincher has this amazing ability of of nuance right of 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 building nuance into his characters understanding them so deeply and so completely that he can craft them in these in these very very nuanced and very carefully packaged ways and, and I just don't feel like this film has that nuance. It still has Rosamund Pike at the center, who is bringing her own kind of nuance. But the larger encapsulation of that character, I think, is, is pretty blunt. And, and it ends up sort of taking away from a character that I think could have been memorable, or, or and probably still will be for a lot of people, but like memorable in the public consciousness for a while. Yeah. I don't, I don't think they're going to get there with that with this particular film and if the user reactions to it are any indication then it's definitely not i mean it's fine if you know your movie's not going to be a crowd pleaser like that's okay like good movies aren't always going to please the masses that's cool but if you really are trying to make a movie that is attempting to point the finger at a system that's busted and needs fixing you kind of need that audience to get on board 
somewhere, right? Like at some point in the train, you need them to be infested and say, I, I care about something that's going on here. Because like you said, you can't even really care about Diane Weist's character. No, we don't have enough time to. She's it, barely in it. And And when we are given time with her, we see that she might herself be a violent mobster who did terrible yeah. things in the past, you know? So it's like, no, every character is compromised in this. And while, and in a better written movie, I think that would be fine. It would be fine. But I just don't think that this movie had developed any of its ideas enough to have characters like this and situations like this. Like for example, you know, the, the, the images of you know female empowerment and and the way that it treats you know LGBTQ characters, that's all stuff that would have maybe been better in a better movie. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's that's really it. It's it's more that this is a great premise with a great cast and some interesting character sketches that, if further developed into a more cohesive film with a more clear purpose in why this story needs to be told, I think could have truly been great, like great. Um, but it, it doesn't really get there. It doesn't hit that mark for a, a variety of reasons. I, I've seen people say, well, it, it, this isn't a movie that wants you to like it. And I, I, I see that in, in reviews a lot for lots of films that have problematic stuff in them, right? Like, I, I get that. You know, like, I, I think Parasite from a couple of years ago is another one that, you know, the movie doesn't really want you... I mean, it, it has people it wants you to like, but yet at the same time... That was time, a good it, movie, though. <laughs> what, what was that? <laughs> that was a good movie, though, so... Right, you know, and that's, that's just, that's just different. it, like... When you're dealing with characters who have this kind of moral ambiguity or characters who maybe have good intentions but are doing bad things, you know, for whatever reason, walking that line and crafting something that's truly, truly powerful gets difficult. And this movie just doesn't quite get there. Um, I think it's, you know, well, I guess we'll get there in a minute, but... I'm fine with saying, oh, a movie doesn't have to set out to be liked. Sure. But it, it needs to be engaging, right? It needs to sort of reach out to me as a viewer and, and give me something. Because um, I'll be honest, my, my wife, uh, when we had that secondary conversation, she's like, I'm actually angry that we watched that. <laughs> and I was like, really? And she's like, I didn't, I don't know. I mean, because I, I didn't have that negative a reaction to it. And I was like, why are you angry? She's like, because... We watch so few movies. Together. We have so little time to watch movies together anymore. I'm angry that that's the one we watched. <laughs> like, that we couldn't have picked something else. Um, and so that was really more her point, that she's like, I just feel like that was a two hours that could have been better spent on something else. I, and, in general, I don't, I mean, I, I don't think it was quite that much of a throwaway. Um, sure, yeah. I mean, it's not a good movie, but it's, it's not like urban justice bad or anything. No. Um. So you know, I don't. I don't think it was necessarily a waste of time, but I do feel like the movie wasted its own time. Yeah, that's a good way to. If put that it. makes sense, like right. it, it, 
you know, it it wasted so much time in the space of the movie on things that ultimately served nothing. Like her relationship with Fran was tacked on. It felt like we needed to add another dimension to this character, so let's make her gay. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like she she even didn't feel like she was really gay in any other aspect. It didn't feel like that was real. It was just kind of just kind of poorly done. And the whole, you know, who is uh Jennifer, what was her last name? Diane uh, Weiss's character. Peterson. Jennifer Peterson. Peterson. Who is Jennifer Peterson? You know, it, it tried that for fifteen minutes and and that didn't go anywhere. And then it's like, oh, let's do Marla versus Peter Dinklage and, and that'll be the conflict. And then that just kind of fell apart. And I don't know, like it it just it hemmed and hawed around and it's like, just do something, commit to something, movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's very much it's again, maybe it's just a story that's too big to tell this many sort of chunks of it. Um yeah. Like I said, the first, you know, 20 minutes or so, it felt like it was going to be like the big short or something. Like it was just going to be yeah. this expose of how this system can absolutely screw you, given the right set of circumstances and unscrupulous people at the wheel. Um, and then it, it very quickly switched into this, you know, thriller slash neo-noir slash, uh, you know, who knows what other genre of black comedy. You know, it, it just kept flipping the script trying to integrate other aspects of, of these these lives of these characters into this story in ways that that eventually sort of just muddled the entire picture for me. It was like, well, what am I supposed to think here? Like, what am I supposed to get behind? What am I supposed to 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 be invested in? The thriller part, the who is Jennifer Peterson part, the the you know. Peter Dinklage getting back with his mom part, you know, because if you look at the ending montage, that sort of tells you all of the threads that the movie thought it established and then tried to wrap up. And if you look yeah. at those, we get Marla's quest for power. We get, um, you know, Jennifer Peterson reuniting with her mobster son in a you know, lovely little moment. He's got the little boxes of pastries there. Um, and then we get... Marla and Fran, uh, you know, in another little moment together. And then we get the, you kill my mom. You know, the like, we get those those four sort of big threads all slammed together in the last, like, five minutes to see sort of what the movie thinks about all of those. So Mobster reunited with his son. So Roman, for a movie that wants to say something about how broken the system is, Roman gets everything he wants. Right, like he doesn't have any loss in this game at all. He gains no. because of this, right? Because he theoretically has a stake in all of these companies that Marla has set up and is is profiting from in the billions. We're told. So, so he gains. System continues to be broken. The this and Marla is punished. But Marla's and the I, only one who gets screwed, right? Even though, like, she's not. I don't think she's any more terrible than anyone who would be a, a Russian mobster. No, and the movie is seemingly wants us to make that connection. It's like, hey, these two people are really the same, right? Which and, I, 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 And for all of its messages about empowerment and, and, you know, sister doing it for herself, 
it's interesting that it chooses to kill the gay woman at the end of the movie. Right. I mean, we're, I think we're supposed to feel a little bit of like, oh. I, I really think the movie wants us to feel that, but yet it's a decisive statement about what happens to people in this position. And like, I can't really tell the if the woman. movie meant for that. Yeah, like I can't really tell what they meant to say. Like, what are you trying to say? That and, I mean, only the woman's going to get punished by this. Like, well, I'll, all right. And I'm okay. sure that the point is that there is no point. I'm sure there is a critic yeah. out there who's already writing the think piece. This is the ultimate nihilist picture. Exactly. That this 2021. Film is, this film is pure cynicism. Right. It's pure nihilism. It's pure fatalism. It's just the world's I, fucked. I do not buy that. And I don't buy that for a minute. That this movie out. thinks yeah. that I, I just there's too much that's thrown into this movie. You know, whether it's at the last minute or if it was always there, I don't know. Um, but there's too much thrown into this movie that tries to build likable characters within these well it's the characterization by quirk thing you know they yeah. they give all of these weird little moments to these characters that ultimately amount to nothing because we don't have them actually acting in any scenes or doing anything with any gravity that makes us care about them but yet the movie tries i mean i can see it trying so i just i don't i don't buy the the you know cynicism approach i just don't think that that's true you can read it that way. Like you can you can watch the film and you can take that away if you want, but it, that's bullshit. <laughs> I think yeah. you have to argue too hard for it. Yeah, I, I, there's not enough there. I mean, the the scene with Marla in the convenience store is enough, right? Like I was kind of like, okay, she's she's in the convenience store. She's gonna preserve her busted up tooth in the glass of, in the thing of milk. She's changing clothes and she has no problem stripping down in front of this clerk because who gives a shit like all of that stuff is like okay fine 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 but it's all meant to engender if, if not just out and out sympathy this sort of like respectful like oh likability it's trying to just make her likable yeah and, it's and... it's trying really hard and and i knew it was the moment that she grabbed the hot dog roller for warmth yeah Right, because she sinks into it. Right, it's not just a I'm gonna stand by this thing to get warm. She literally just sort of wraps herself around it, and I was like, okay, you want me to like her now, and and I I, I looked over at my wife and I was like, nope, I, you're not gonna get it, movie. You're not gonna get that emotion out of me, no matter how badass this woman is and how she is and how much you want me to love and respect her for the fact that she's doing it she's doing what she can do to make it it's not it's not working you haven't done that for me yet and you know i'm sorry like you did a better job at making me feel sorry for the mobster who lost his mother and maybe that's a flip that was intentional like i'm gonna make you love this guy you should hate and hate this woman you should love and if that was intentional, then, you know, bravo. But I, I just don't think the movie handles either no. of those things very well. Um, so I, I, I guess we can, can go ahead and kind of wrap up here uh, and say, you know, if we recommend this, this is available on streaming. It's on Netflix. It'll be on Netflix 
presumably forever. Um, so if you have a Netflix account, you can go check it out. And it, I, in terms of recommendation, I think this is worth checking out, right? I didn't have as negative an opinion of it as, as even my wife did. I, I thought it was fine. I think it wraps up okay. I think the first 30 minutes, 25, 30 minutes is really good. Like, great. Yeah. Um, Such I, an interesting premise. Yeah, great premise. Like a world class premise. Like I would love to see an actual movie that is just about the mechanics of manipulating these people's lives and you know, but but maybe handled a bit more realistically, right? Instead of it being a Russian mobster out for blood who who comes into the picture in this very sort of silly well, I even, obviously. I Hollywood even like way. I even like the idea of of, you know, teaming up with an equally bad person to launch this this company, I think that could have been handled sure. in the movie just fine. Um, but like I like I said, I, I feel like it would have been better if Marla cared. Um, if there was some sort of depth to why she was doing what she was doing, um, that would have made that a little more interesting to me. It would have made the whole movie more interesting if it was just about her really believing in you know what she's doing the work that she is doing and thinking that it's good work. Um, and I, I mostly like, and it's one of the reasons I suggested that we watch this movie is I'm just, I feel like this was so close to being good. Like this was so almost there. Like it's got so much going for it and it drops the ball in just the weirdest ways. Yeah. It seemed like, they had an idea for having Marla be this voice for rage, right? For the justifiable rage that women feel working in a world that is often completely against them. And, and I think that's why a lot of people have latched onto her character and rightly so is that she has character gets the opportunity to give voice to those things and i think that as a result we're we give the character a little bit more credit for being complex and interesting than she actually is in the film um and, and if you're and willing those... to just and if you're willing to just dismiss everything that she's done and focus on that attitude that she's able to project and carry in the film then you you may end up liking this a lot more than I did. Um, but I, I couldn't divorce those things. I was like, okay, I agree with everything that you're saying, right? I mean, I guess it's sort of Citizen Kane-ish where it's like, I, you know, I, yes, the things you're saying are accurate, but you're still terrible. Like, you're just an awful human being and I don't well, and, care about you. <laughs> and I, I just, I don't know, I'm kind of not really into a movie that, that tries to talk about, you know, women coming up against that kind of opposition, but then phrases it like this, frames it like this. Resorting to these methods to, yeah. to get past it. Yeah. I mean, um, and I, I, and on some level, you know, I, I have to be honest, like I am a woman and maybe don't speak for me because I don't feel this way and I don't. This is not the response <laughs> that I necessarily want anyone to have. So I don't, I don't that... think that Marla is, is a, a 
good representation of how women feel about anything. So you're telling me that Jay Blakeson, director of <laughs> Wave, starring Chloe Moretz, doesn't get to speak for you as a woman? Come on now. I, this is Hollywood. Yeah. He has every right to speak. <laughs> um, no, I, I get what you're saying. I, I certainly think that that's why a, a lot of people have latched on to the character and the performance and, and have you know, found a lot to like about it because within this system that is so broken where you have to fight tooth and nail to survive, doubly so if you're a woman, I think there is a lot about Marla's story that you can look at and say, like, I'm glad somebody is is raising these, you know, these these questions, is is, is making these statements because I see it as being important. But again, it's it's so problematic to then tie it to a character who's so onerous at every level, because it's the same thing that happens when you're talking about Star Wars, right? Like everybody complains about what is it? It's Kylo Ren's speech in the Last Jedi, where he's like, "Leave it behind, put it in the past, kill it," and and everybody's like, "Oh my God, Kathleen Kennedy wants to kill Star Wars. He wants us to put it in the past," <laughs> you know? And it's like, no, he's 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 the bad guy. Right? Like, you're not supposed to listen to him. He's bad. Right? Like, that's, that's, that's how, point. you know, that's how stories work. So, I don't know why this film, I mean, again, that's terrible to make a reference to Star Wars <laughs> and talking about a movie like this, but, like, it's the same concept, right? It's like, okay, well, you're telling me that I need to listen to this individual, that they're right, but yet they're terrible. Like, they're literally awful, and they're abusing one of the most vulnerable segments of our population for their own personal gain. But then you want me to turn around and be like, you go girl, you got this. Right. And, there, it's like, and what? you know, you say that. And there were a couple of moments where I, cause I watched this with my husband. There were a couple of moments where I turned to him and said, that was very girl boss. Hashtag girl boss. Right. Just girl boss. And it, that also bothered. Just in general, I don't like it when movies or media of any kind does that. Right. And, you know, again, I, I, I get it. If it was a male character, we would probably be more accepting, I guess. I don't, I don't, I'd like to think I wouldn't be. Like, if this, if Rosamund Pike was just replaced with a, a male character in this role, like, I still I don't, think this movie would be exactly uh, the same. Yeah, I, I don't really feel like there'd be much difference. Um in a lot of the, the major beats, but. And because of that, I feel like the feminist angle of this movie doesn't work because like that, that criticism or that not criticism, but take, I mean, I guess we'll just say that feminist take on this film, it doesn't work because this character would be the same no matter who she was because her, her horribleness and the, the nature of what she does to these people overrides any kind of understanding of, of her situation like it's then that's why like the sympathetic turn doesn't work but it's it's the whole you know reading of that character that ultimately doesn't work because of it yeah it's just it it complicates things in ways that I think are are problematic for whatever messages this movie may be trying to send. Um, I, I think at that point, you basically, as the viewer, just need to, you just have to decide which piece of this character 
or, or this character sketch, I'm a, I, I hesitate to even call her a fully articulated character, am I going to latch on to, right? Which one am I going to prioritize over the other? Um, because the two pieces that were being shown at the very minimum, if you want to split them in that way, they don't really coexist um, with each other. And, you know, I, I think it's great to see Rosamund Pike doing this kind of work and showing this kind of character on screen. But it just, I, again, I, I don't think it's, it's all there. I think we've just got a little piece of, of something that could be a really powerful character um, and doesn't quite get there. Um, maybe even doesn't get there much at all. Um, it's certainly better than a lot of other movies that have tried to do the girl boss thing, I guess. Um, but that doesn't mean that this one's good because yeah. it's better than one of those. Um, I don't know. I, I think there's just, there's room here that in the hands of a more capable and nuanced director. I, I think or maybe that, even just a, a better script. I do. I yeah, do feel like this was just a bad script. Together. Yeah. Just, it really loses the plot in the second act. Like they just don't know where to go with it. They want to escalate this threat. They want to show, oh, hey, you know, her life's going to fall apart, but she's not. Okay. <laughs> she's never, she's never at any point concerned that that's actually going to happen. And then even when it does happen, she's fine and everything's good. Like, you know, we never get that. And ultimately her, her comeuppance is very shallow too because she's just unceremoniously shot. And you sort of feel like for all the suffering she's inflicted on all of these people, it maybe was a little bit unsatisfying to see her just shot. Yeah. No, I mean, there's no justice, really. And maybe that's the point. I mean, I think ultimately the film's trying to say that a truly powerful woman will always be taken down, right? I think that that's what it's saying. It's like that this is the kind is it? of thing. Well, I think at some level it's trying to say that women who who engender this kind of fear and power, somebody, you know, some redneck in a trucker hat is going to shoot them, right? But in this case, the shooting is sort of, I mean, given what we know is sort of justified, like you kind of are like, well, yeah, sure. So I, again, I just think that yeah. all of those messages just confusing <laughs> and and circled around on each other and kind of pushed in different directions. And as a result, a movie that should end with some sort of relatively clear understanding of the situation just gets further muddled, and we don't really get a chance to to resolve anything. And again, if that was a much larger, you know, sort of thematic statement about the system that we live in and how it so permeates our daily existence that there is no escape, right? There is no, no true cathartic moment where we realize that the system is broken and we fix it, then bravo. But if that's the case, I'm having to do the work to piece that together, right? Like I have to make all of the mental leaps necessary to say, oh, I guess it could be saying that um, because the film doesn't seem to have any interest in sort of, you know, landing in one particular dimension or another right it just wants to be in all of them and say oh it's all the things uh it's all the ideas and and that works for some media i mean i certainly think that there are 
you know, films that benefit from that kind of ambiguity. But this one does not, in my opinion. Which is why I think... I agree. That's why I think most people who, you know, the user reviews that I've read across a couple different platforms now, they all hated it. For a good yeah. chunk of them, hated it. Because it's like, I just don't know what to think. Like, And it's not, I mean, that sounds bad. Because it doesn't, you know, a film doesn't have to tell you what to think. But this is... At least but it, you would hope that when you're done watching the film that you think or feel some way about it. Right. And I don't think or feel any particular way about this movie. <laughs> and this seems to want to be a message film, right? Like, am I yeah. wrong in saying that? I mean, this seems to be, I mean, the no, title is I Care A Lot, right? Yeah. Which is an obvious, like, I don't care at all. So it's, it's trying to be a message movie about how we should change and the way that the world needs to be different in order to not let things like this happen. But I also don't know what the movie but, wants me to do about anything that happens in it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a film of, of, for a film that seems to be about power and the nature of power in its, in its variousest forms, right? From the power that a doctor wields over your medical history to the power that the courts wield over your, your guardianship to the power that, you know, these facilities wield over us and people in our lives like it, it seems to want to say a lot about those things but for a film that that has all of these sort of intriguing um, thoughts on that stuff it never really sort of makes this definitive statement about what we're supposed to think about that right like it, it seems to want to say something about the power of these systems in the world but not really sort of make any definitive recommendation about what to do uh, or how this can be avoided, you know. Um, and that doesn't mean that, like, John John Lennon needs to be digitally recreated to sing a song in the background at the end and be like, you know, all you need is love, man. you know, just, just put some love in there. Like, I, I, we don't need that. Like, that's that's like a... I don't know. I needed that. You know, I needed a John Lennon deep fake in this movie. You know, it's it's just like... Give me something, right? Something that I can latch on to or at least have. Just something concrete. Yeah. You know? Even if I don't like it, just give me something to to touch at the end of this movie and say, aha, that's what you were doing. Nice. Yeah, and, and that's how I think you can, can really make an impact on people. Because people are obviously watching this. Right? People are obviously interacting with and engaging with this film. And, you know, at the end of the day, isn't you know satire and and stuff supposed to cause? Isn't it for change? Isn't that why you do it? Is to point it out so that you can you can increase the likelihood that the world will recognize the system's broken and fix it. I feel like that's how satire begins in earnest, and maybe maybe things like this movie get a little bit caught up in the style and expression of the satire rather than, than what it's actually expressing. Yeah. So um, I, I'll go ahead and, and recommend this as well. Um, but it's a, it's a very mild recommendation for me. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's worth it for Rosamund Pike's performance. And I think there are sort of, some interesting nuances she brings to the character, but not enough to really make that character truly, truly memorable. She still feels like a sort of stock character trotted out of the closet and, and, and sort of like put into center stage. 
without being sort of fully fleshed out. Even if we got some window into her, you know, I, I hate to go for like a window to the past to understand the character now, but the film obviously has some thoughts about her past and what she's been through to get to this point. But the big question that I had, and one that I thought might have been interesting to explore, is how did she even get into this business? How did she yeah. discover this? Was she forced to be the legal guardian for her sociopathic mother and discovered that she now could wield full control over the life of this woman that she hated and ruin it, but also drain her of funds as she was, you know, extracting fees for various services? You know, like, and like I understand the there's something compelling about making a person who's villainous and for for no reason, but then you do kind of paint yourself in a corner with making your movie lasting in its impression if you don't give any sort of heft to a, a character and and their their motivations. There's no reason to return to your film usually. I found. Yeah, I, I think I think part of the issue here is that when when Thanos from Marvel Cinematic <laughs> Universe has like more of an understandable villain motivation than a character in a movie like this, I think he kind of messed up a little bit. It was very some of her I mean her big speech with Peter Dinklage was very Doctor Evil. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, right down to her demanding a huge sum of money. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like I said, I, I appreciated it. I, I liked that the character had that depth of assuredness, that she was so confident that she was untouchable, that even when, you know, her life was in danger, she she still had that confidence. Like I, I like that. It's the kind of thing we expect to see in a character in that position in a film. But it again, a lot of the stuff here, the tonal balancing act just doesn't quite land. And and in moments when I I wanted to see her crack just a little bit, because I'm I'm fine with seeing her crack and then she rages right back. Like that's fine. But I like you know? I need some human moments. I just needed to know that she was like a human being. And I didn't. I didn't know that. Right, and and the the like two scenes of of closeness with her girlfriend were not necessarily enough not enough to not to enough. sort of build that out. And um, and I resent using someone's sexuality as you know characterization generation because that's what it felt like. It felt like oh this 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 will help. That we'll just we'll slap a band aid over this shitty character. <laughs> and the band aid just has gay written on it. It's like this will fix it. <laughs> like it did not fix it. It didn't. Yeah, it's now you've just made gay people mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't know, and that's that's really it. This is just such a mixed bag of strong, strong positive things, and then sort of just eyebrow raising, shoulder shrugging things. Where I'm just like. Uh, that it's really difficult for me to be in uh, to be unequivocally behind it. Um, I, like I said, I did not hate it. Um, I I enjoyed the vast majority of it, and there were certainly some moments in it that I thought were were pretty exceptional. But if you watch a film to escape, or you know, 
a momentary respite from the world's problems, this ain't your movie at all. Um, and if you like movies to wrap up, right? If, if that satisfying denouement is important to you in your film where you kind of get the, ah, we can return to normal, you, you're not going to get that either. Like, not at all. So it really comes down to your, your sort of taste in film in general, whether or not you're going to like this movie, um, <laughs> which I know is very... I don't know. Do you like movies? Do you like <laughs> movies? Because this ain't doing what movies typically do, and sometimes that's good. In this case, I'm not so sure. Uh, but I will say, you know, without reservation, that Rosamund Pike's performance as this onerous character is is very good. She's extremely good. She's reliably good. Yeah, I mean, she's good in pretty much everything she does. Um, but this is another opportunity for her to to lead a film in a in a way which I would still I would put her as the lead of Gone Girl. I know Ben Affleck typically gets that, and I think he might get first billing, but that's really her movie. Like it's all about her. And and you, whether you like it or not, you like. There's, there are things about that character that you embrace. And I just felt like this movie was going hard for that and just fell short. Yeah, I, I think maybe casting someone like Rosamund Pike in this role, you're banking on her ability to be likable, to fill gaps in your character <laughs> that yeah. you didn't really think about. And, and she never she very nearly pulls it off like right there but it's just that hard sympathy turn after the 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 murder attempt that it just it, the film just flips and it's like all right she's your buddy now she's the one you got to root for cuz they just they tried to kill her and they didn't get away with it she's going to have to bring holy hell down on them so that they can't come back and it's just like but she, i mean I don't want to get it like she deserved it because I don't know who would, who do, what do I know I don't know anything, but at the same time it's like I don't necessarily feel bad that he tried. You know, so yeah. it's like I I kind of get it. So that was my big thing is just you know Rosamund Pike is doing a tremendous amount of work here to to make this character work and it nearly lands a hundred percent of the time, but there's a couple spots where it's rough. Um. But it is a great cast. Uh, the scenario is interesting. It certainly is bringing at least some light to a legitimate issue and problem within uh, our society in terms of elder care, um, which is good. So, I mean, there's, there's certainly some upsides to this. And so if you, if you have a Netflix account, there's really no reason not to check it out. But I will say this. If, if Pike's character is not working for you by a out the 35 to 40 minute mark you can peace out. you can probably peace out relatively safely and and just be okay like okay because that was kind of the point where i was like am i done with this i, I feel kind of done with this <clears throat> but you know I, I wanted to see it through obviously uh but yeah like if you're just not jiving with it at all and the quote-unquote comedy isn't hitting for you <laughs> wherever that is in the film, um, then, then yeah, I, I think you're, you're fairly safe. And, and just kind of flipping on over to the next thing in the U.S. top ten and seeing if you like it. There's always going to be something else. 
the constant onrush and flood of Netflix content uh, will always have something there for you in case you're interested. Um, all right, well, I, I think that's our, our streaming recommendation for I Care A Lot, something we're going to start doing fairly regularly is picking a film that's popular on streaming and sort of going through it to see if it ranks as a failure piece, right? If it's capable of rising above the cruft that is the online streaming world right now into something truly, truly exceptional. Um, so any final thoughts on I Care A Lot? Um, I really had high hopes. And because I, I put this on my, my watch list, you know, right after they announced it, because I was like, yeah, it looks fun. And again, the premise was so interesting. Um, I would love to see someone take this idea and run with it. So I hope some filmmaker gets inspired to, or sorry, or even a, a writer, you know, some author gets inspired to write something along these lines, because um, that's fascinating it would be really really cool to learn i mean horrifying but but really interesting to learn more about you know the perils of legal guardianship and court appointed guardians and what that does to elderly people because that was the part of the movie that i i really enjoyed and i i felt like that that had something possibly unique to say it might have yeah i, I was the same when it shifted into the purely you know personality driven Dinklage versus Pike show um, the film lost a, a lot of its momentum for me because I it really felt like it was supposed to be or or could have been a very good look at okay well this situation is now initiated how do you reverse it if this person is intractable um, and and so that too felt like a, a missed opportunity you know it gets resolved but not necessarily in a way that was really truly satisfying and fit with the story that seemed like they were going to be telling after the first act. Um, but yeah, so I, I think this is a, a sort of marginal recommendation from both of us. It certainly has its high points, um, and I think that there are some really fascinating elements within it um, with a slightly more deft hand and a, a few more script rewrites, maybe even better. Uh, so that'll wrap us up for this week. Where can you be found? On social media if people want to yell at you about not liking I care a lot enough please yell at me on social media I love it I am I can be found at Baskinator on Twitter and I love being yelled at on social media it's, it's what I live <laughs> for really uh, and of course I can be found at T Baskin you can also get us together at F Peace Theater on Twitter and if you need to email us for anything we're at failurepeace at gmail.com uh, so that's going to take care of us for this week. I Care A Lot is not a failure piece, but it's certainly not a piece of something else either. It's pretty squarely in the middle. Um, but we'll be back next week with another look at a cinematic train wreck from the history of Hollywood, hopefully to provide another potential recommendation for your eye holes. Uh, we will see you then. Bye-bye.